What's up, guys? Welcome to another edition of the Nolan Company Sports Podcast. Today is Tuesday, May 19th, 20 and 20. We hope that your quarantine is going well. We are coming to you today from the official Nolan Company Sports Panic Room, 50 feet under an undisclosed city. But um, we'll just say it's not a worthless fort. Ah, uh, yeah, no, I'm not. That's pretty bad. That's a that's a good dad joke, but like anywhere else, they get plenty of booze. I I'm just Nolan because you can't handle the Ruth. The man joining me in this panic room, fifty feet under a not worthless fort, is the real Blake T. Martin. The T standing for typical. That's new. That's new. It, it is getting credit. harder and harder, actually. Hey, I just I'll put it like this. We've been doing this for what now? Like two years? More, uh, almost, yeah, almost, almost two years. Wait a minute. And yeah, wait we're a coming minute. up on it. Wait a minute, Blake. What? Blake. Yes. We missed Conception Day. We did miss Conception Day. Oh uh, well, so, at the same time. But before we get into this, uh, the man who's joining us from his treehouse perched above his mother's backyard in College Station, who can do it, Mason Pruitt. I love the. Tr- Treehouse spot. It's my favorite spot in quarantine. Good. I'm sure you spent a lot of time there with certain books. All right. So uh, what? Yeah. Okay. But uh, yeah, so so a little background for Mason because I don't know if he knows about Conception Day, but we're gonna celebrate our birthday. And I just realized this because we were gonna throw a party, but because of quarantine, that can't happen at the moment. But our birthday is coming up in five days. Yeah, the Nolan Company Sports birthday, where our first show first show came from, and you know what? Just because I love all of our listeners so much, I'm gonna go back and repost that for our Apple Podcast because it's not up there yet, and like you that. can hear how far we've come. It was pretty bad. Most of the first one was like, yeah, yeah, uh huh, yeah, and it was just me constantly like a lot of stuttering, uh, 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 a lot. Of, yeah. I'm pretty sure I said I, there was one sentence where I said where I called you man. Like three times in yeah, one sentence. That's true. It was, it was quite disastrous, quite disastrous. But we miss Conception Day. So Conception Day is the day that Blake and I sat down at Palio's Pizza in Hudson Oaks, Texas, yeah, just outside of Weatherford, sandwiched in between Weatherford and Alito, and we went over what the show was going to be about, what the company was going to be about, and Blake was very pissed off at me that day because. They had a great selection of songs playing That's at Palio's, and every single time a different one came on, I would always sing the first line, always, and then the second line, then the third line. I you was see like, where it's going. "Please stop!" But and it was okay. Blake got a little upset with me, so so that's Conception Day. I forget the actual date. I want to say the thirteenth or the twelfth. Yeah. But last year we celebrated. Whoa, <clears throat> last year mm-hmm. <laughs> we celebrated by going to an FC Dallas game. That was pretty that fun. Didn't end well because we lost two to one to the yeah. New York Red Bulls. Either way, it was a time before there was at when there was actually yeah. sports going on. However, I think we're about to end that. We'll get into that a little bit later on in the show. But this quarantine, thank goodness, is finally looking like it's coming to an end here soon. So, so for those of you who were a little disgusted at first when Blake and I said Happy Conception Day, it sounds dirty. It sounds, it sounds dirty. really it, dirty, but and it's it not sounds as dirty bad. on purpose. <laughs> But it's not what you think. We we intentionally did that, but it's not what you think. Uh, yeah. Today in sports history, boys, we got a little. Uh, we got a couple of baseball greats involved in 
today in sports history. 58 years ago today in 1962, the great Stan Musial broke Honus Wagner's all-time National League hits record with 3,431. Yeah. And even back then, I mean, this is, I mean, that's a sport where 70% failure is a millionaire nowadays. I mean, that's true. Stan Musial is arguably one of the greatest players of all time. Great player for the Cardinals. Um, but, uh, I mean, you look at guys back then and looking how well a lot of the records have held up, like him and then Ted Williams and a bunch of those other guys, it's pretty impressive. Just even looking at the guys today, not saying that, you know, there hasn't been improvement because there definitely has been. But it, it really isn't. It's really interesting to see how, even with how far back that goes, uh, those players still have an influence on the game today. And then a happy 44th birthday. Mason, I don't know if you're going to like this or not, but happy 44th birthday today to 15 time NBA All Star Kevin Garnett. One of the great yeah. Celtics of our time. I mean, I mean, he was one of the first guys I ever started watching when I first got into basketball because that was around the Celtics' big three was when I first started watching. So I, I respect Kevin Garnett. So going into the, the show rundown today, it was nice nice talking about Conception Day for a while. Um, states are starting to open up, and that is meaning a lot of huge things for sports, especially here in the state of Texas. Uh, and the UIL, who oversees all high school sports, well, all public high school sports in the state of Texas, uh, came out with a bit of an announcement today. That's not huge news, but it is a big, big first step to making sure that we can play football in the fall. And then, if there is football in the fall, there's a coach who's now in a new place that we're going to have to talk about for a little bit because yeah, this is shaking up big, the landscape big, of high school uh, football. Big deal for Geyer and also Sam Marcus because we were just talking mm-hmm. about the potential that Geyer had uh, just in this upcoming season, but it, it looks like that's going to maybe change a lot looking at this movement. Then we'll go into uh, the NFL draft and then uh, the return that uh, sports are trying to make. Uh, we're going to talk about the the uh, the plans that are being put on the table to for consideration for all these leagues yeah. uh, to t- try to figure out what's going on. And then uh, I'm catching Blake and Mason off guard, but at the end of the show, we're going to think this entire show, and this is going to be a long one today, but who's the greatest player in any sport that no one remembers? Okay. Oh, that's hard. That was the first time you mentioned that today, so i got to think about it. I know. I came out of left field with this one, so to speak. But but I already have mine, and I knew it in my – I had it in my head whenever I was typing it into the the show rundown here. Uh, And then – and then we have a very special message for somebody, a part of our, our team, at the end of the show. Uh, we'll see if he joins us or not. But let's let's go ahead and dive into this. So it's going to be a long show. Uh, let's buckle up. And b- before we start real quick, I should say that, that Mason, Seth, and I tried to do a draft preview two days before the draft on, on that Tuesday. Yeah. And uh, unfortunately, and I'm going to make sure this isn't a problem today real quick, but unfortunately... There was not enough space on my computer to download the audio clips to then upload them through Anchor, who is our, uh, who holds all of our audio. So uh, that's that wasn't very good. So we couldn't do that one. But let's just say you didn't miss out on much. But um, 
I'm just going to say that everything we said in that episode was correct. Everything we predicted for the draft is exactly what happened. We are the best sports mm-hmm. journalists in the in the world. The best sports podcast. Everything we say happens. All the humility. Yeah. So, so if we haven't grace. convinced you yet, you need to become a regular listener. Uh, we ran through the entire first round, and we were 32 for 32. You won't get that anywhere else in sports. You will not get that anywhere else in sports. Only at Nolan and Company Sports. We, we are literally the term... You heard it here first. We, that 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 perfectly defines uh, Nolan and Company Sports. Nolan and Company Sports. You heard it here first. That you should heard be the it new here first. However, uh, as most of you probably are not hearing this news first, uh, some news came down. Uh, states are starting to reopen. Louisiana, uh, Pat, uh, they came to terms with the uh, the organization that heads up all their high school sports. Uh, teams are going to be able to start holding workouts starting June 1st in Louisiana. Um, and if you're not getting to that point yet, in Texas recently, just actually today or yesterday. It was yesterday that the governor yeah. passed this. Yeah. Um, uh, Little League sports are st- and sports camps are ready to reopen May 31st. Uh, here in Texas, we j- recently just started... Phase two of our reopening, restaurants are now open to 50%. Yeah. Barbershops are now open. Uh, retail stores are starting to open again. Uh, by the way, a little non-sports news, but Pier 1 is permanently closing. It was announced today. Really? Yeah, because of the because of the fallout from this. There's there's your non-sports headline of the of the week here at Nolan. I have sports. a feeling that you're going to see a lot more of that, sadly. But anyways. For more on that, listen to Nolan and Company Imports podcast. Huh. Uh, we'll talk more about the, P, uh, the Pier 1 uh, closing yeah. on that show. Yeah. Uh, but uh, so there was a lot of speculation about how the UIL was going to handle uh, phase three, which will kick off May 31st, uh, which is a Sunday. And uh, we will we will really start to see how everything plays out from that point on. The big announcement, though, came today uh, from our good friend Matt Stepp, uh, who knows everything about this and has the, the inside track. Uh, he tweeted out today at about 9.30, quote, multiple sources are indicating some positive news on the high school athletics front in the state of Texas is imminent. Stay tuned for any official communications by the UIL. A few minutes later, uh, it was followed up that the UIL has officially agreed with the state government uh, that they will allow high school teams to begin conditioning workouts and weightlifting workouts uh, this summer, and this this is huge. Yeah. This is really huge because so many teams lost their off-season workout programs, and I know coming from Alito that that is where I mean, really, coaches will tell you this all the time. No matter where they're from, that is where the winners are built. Yeah, it's in January to April before they start playing spring football. Yeah, I, and that was the same thing with anybody who's played you know football. I mean, I remember with us, we that was one of our main deals. Even if you weren't playing a sport for that winter, like I played, like you know, either I ran track or I played baseball. Um, but like in that really kind of weird period from January to February or whatnot, even during that time, there was still a lot of conditioning going on. As soon as the season ended, you might have like a few weeks break. But those people who win football games in the fall win them by putting in the work. 
in the late part of the winter and early part of the spring. So, I mean, th this is a big deal. I'll, I'll just put it like this. I'm just happy to see sports coming back. I'm happy to see these teams actually get out and start doing things again. Because I, I, even though they might have lost a lot of time, I'm sure that some of them might have been working out on their own. Uh, and I, I hope that they were because, you know, you might have a lot of unconditioned players at that point. But regardless... There's a lot of time left before we get in to the actual season. And I think that each team is going to be getting everything they can out of this offseason or these summer workouts due to the fact that they've had a lot of time cut short. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how they can work out of this for not having spring football, for not having a lot of those usually preparation times where you know a lot of teams get better. It's going to be interesting to see how this whole thing works out. But I think either way, it's just good to have football back. It's good to have all all these sports coming back. And, you know, it's going to be an interesting season. But I think we'll look back on this and say, hey, this is this was a neat time when it comes to sports and how we overcame this. Yeah, I agree. And I think it will be tough for the athletes at first when they do come back. But once they start getting the swing of things, I mean, it's, it's going to be hot when they first start working out. But... Once everything starts kicking off, I, I think they'll be ready to go come August if the season starts on time. Yeah, I agree. And, and th this is really where uh, indoor facilities now uh, you make the big difference. So I think that I think that at the beginning of the season, uh, or, or maybe even you know well into half this next season, you know, Lord willing, we can play and you know media and fans can actually be there. Um, I think that you're going to see a lot more of the 6A and 5A programs really start to, you know, they're, they're going to look like they normally would at the beginning of the season. Uh, I'm a little worried about how it's going to look from 4A down because those players are going to be tired, exhausted. I mean, because they don't have indoor facilities. I mean, they don't have a lot of indoor facilities in those no. lower classifications. So, yeah. I mean, they're, I, I, I'm, I'm worried about the toll this is going to take on lower classifications. But how would you say that? Because they're still dealing with those conditioning issues on other years that don't have coronavirus. That's true, but the thing is, you've lost so much time that it, when you open up June first, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, you've got performance courses and stuff like that that you can go through, but that's main that you know that's eighty percent weight room. Yeah, and and again, a lot of these places are uh, uh, a lot of these places have indoor facilities. So even if there is conditioning, they'll they'll use the indoor facilities. Um, but but the the big key is though that. That uh, you know these smaller classifications don't don't really have that. Whenever they come in the summer for workouts, they're typically doing it by themselves because the coaches, by UIL regulation, cannot oversee those. Uh, so I, I, the UIL may waive that. The UIL may let the coaches be in there to try to run a little bit of an off-season program right beforehand. Yeah. Um, I I don't know, but uh, but I but I do know that typically those players have a little bit of a recovery time before two days start start around. And I mean, this is just like uh, we're basically putting fourteen to to eighteen year old kids through NFL OTAs. I mean, that's really the equivalent to look at it. I mean, because they're starting in June. This you know, this really going to start kicking off in August. I mean, they're 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 technically having two months of their season added on right right at the beginning when it's hot. Yeah, I I definitely see that, and, and it's going to be something. It's, it's going to be interesting to see how they overcome this. I don't think it's going to... It might decrease the amount of play, and you might see people... I think that the I think what you're getting at here is 
that you're going to probably see a lot more injuries this season or maybe a lot more, you know, I, 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 I guess what I'm saying is players are going to get beat down a lot more because you don't have as much time to rest. You might not be on the same pace. Right now it's practically balls to the wall. You're just trying to go as fast as you can to just sort of catch up on that time that you lost. Um, but I, I do think that that might be an issue. I think you might see more injuries and these players might – run out of juices a little bit earlier than they usually would. But I think at the same time, these coaches realize that. And I think they're going to take precautions where they can. Obviously, it's going to be tougher this year, but I still think they're going to be like, okay, let's not completely destroy these guys. We need to make sure that they're going to be healthy throughout this season and that um, we can still be able to focus and have that little bit of energy going into what might be a postseason or um, just going into the end of the season. Um, but overall, it's going to be interesting. Like I said, I, I've, we've never seen anything like this before. And if they come out, you know, a little bit tired at first or, or, or a little bit off their uh, usual uh, top shape, I, I think it's something that they're going to have to work with. And it's going to be something that's going to shape out uh, over the next few months. So it, it's, it's something that's, that's pretty concerning. Um still though what we got to look at the is where we go from here because this is this is step one of so many steps that we have to take before we're guaranteed come august 26th or 27th whatever date it is mm-hmm. of having teams on the field and may i mean maybe you cut down student sections maybe you i mean maybe you make you start making it kind of like a jv atmosphere game and just say okay are you a parent? All right, come on in. Like, like, I don't know how they're going to narrow this down, but like, at least to get that, uh, yeah. you know, the, there's so many steps that still have to be taken, but the massive one was taken, and so obviously, uh, I mean, heck, Texas is reopening faster than uh, most people in Texas are comfortable yeah. with, but so so far, it seems to be working, and yeah. so, uh, well, I mean, only time will tell, and you know. They're saying heat kills this dang virus, so I mean, heck, it's just, we're, I, we're starting to break ninety-five every single yeah, day. Now, I don't so. mean to sound too like provocative, but this virus has not been as bad as a lot of people originally imagined it to be. I don't think it's going to be something that we need to completely panic ourselves over, especially going into the season. That being said, Mason, you have any other thoughts on this, or you? Good? No, I mean, I I think we all hit the point that it's going to be. This season's going to be a little different. I mean, unprecedented times mean unprecedented measures. And so I think, Blake, you hit it where you're going to say said there will probably be a little bit more injuries. I think you're going to see a lot more athletes out of shape and what they are because they're losing. Like, and the players returning, they lost, what, three months of spring ball? Right. Yeah, about. So that's, that's just as much time they have to prepare than what they have now for a season. So you're talking about half the time that they had to prepare for the season. So Well, that's – the... go ahead. So, so, I mean, if the season does start on time, you'll see players out of shape and probably a little bit more injuries. And if it's delayed, then maybe it'll be the same thing. But we'll see what happens with the season. Well, well real quick, real quick before we go to break, uh, that, that, that's another prov- provocative thing is just that, you know, the, these higher classifications are really the only ones that play spring football. I mean, uh, you know, my brother played up a pile of point, and I know for a fact they don't play spring football. What they do is they start their two-a-days a week earlier than those schools who do. I mean, this, it's a UIL regulation. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so I, I, 
on that basis, I don't think that this is going to affect lower classifications as much. I think they're, it's going to be fairly normal because they're going to be getting the three weeks of two days in anyway. Um, but for higher classifications like 6A and 5A, uh, I think that it'll it'll be a little weird for them because they're going to be they're going to be in full pads a whole an entire extra week before the season uh, before the season actually gets started. However, we do have two weeks of scrimmages still, and I plan on being there for those. <laughs> We're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, we're going to talk a little more high school football. Um, groundbreaking news yesterday that shocked everybody. And uh, we don't have somebody who will be joining us who had the inside story, but we will break it down for you here on Nolan Company Sports because we are second best in everything. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that when we come back here on the Nolan Company Sports Podcast. Welcome back to the Nolan and Company Sports Podcast. It is a beautiful Tuesday, May 19th, 2020, and we will bring you back with a little Texas high school football news. So, yesterday, a bombshell of a news story dropped by our good friend, again, Matt Stepp, uh, at Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine. Uh, one of the best coaches in Texas high school football will have a new home this upcoming season. Mr. John Walsh, a former the for, former Denton Geyer head coach, is now going to be moving a little bit south to San Marcos, where he will take that football coaching job down with San Marcos. So, Nolan, how does this affect the state of Texas high school football? It turns it on its head. Uh, I mean, it, he resigned unexpectedly. From Geyer a couple months ago, right, right, actually, right before everything shut down, um, everything I think started shutting down at about spring break time here in Texas. Yeah. Uh, so about mid March is when he is when he just totally unexpectedly re- resigned. Um, about a week after everything shut down, they announced the hiring of Rodney Webb, who is an incredible coach from Rockwall. Uh, he had he had a great club at Rockwall this past year and. He, he knows how to put together winning programs. So I don't think this, this really uh, affects Geyer uh, to the extent that everyone is dreading that it will. I think they're still going to have a great program. they still got Eli Stowers. They've got a great offensive line mm-hmm. going back. In a- Are you sure about that? Because obviously what happened with Stowers uh, getting hurt this past season was a big deal. I mean, obviously we saw how much it affected them uh, he, when it came he, to- I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, go ahead. I've been, I've been seeing him work out over the summer and he's been doing it looks like the leg i mean obviously he's not 100 percent yet but he's moving well um he's been doing drills of course but i mean he hasn't put on pads or anything for all means but from what i can this from what i can tell he seems to be doing just fine okay yeah i, I don't think guyer is, is you know is is really in a bad is really in a, in a bad place uh now <laughs> The, the one thing that makes uh, the, the Rodney Webb hire so great is that Geyer, uh, this past realignment, was put in the same district as Allen. And that was a shocker to everybody. Um, but Walsh was, uh, yeah, I, I don't know at that point if he knew he was going to be stepping down. I, I genuinely don't. Um, but, uh, I mean, they were originally supposed to play Allen week one for the Tom Landry Classic at Eagle Stadium. Uh, and then obviously they're put in the same district. That can't happen. Um, but the, the guy that Geyer hired after Walsh stepped down was the, was the man who 
led the uh, upset win by the Rockwall Yellow Jackets against Allen in the second round of the playoffs this past year. Uh, <laughs> yep. and, and boy, that was a game. I, I should have been to that one. I ended up watching Alito beat Roy City's butt at SMU. But uh, but no, no complaints. You know, yeah. It's hey. always good to see my alma mater. But I do wish I was at that game. But this is a man who knows Allen. I mean, because Rockwall has always gone had to face Allen, and they, this past year they finally got past him. Um, but, I mean, he's got a state champion caliber team uh, playing for him at Geyer. Um, he's got a young quarterback behind Stowers who was thrust in a very bad position that nobody would ever want to be in. Uh, but, I mean, that I think that experience, uh, I wish I could remember that kid's name right now, uh, That that's an experience that is invaluable in this game. Uh, so I think I think Geyer's going to be fine. The the what sends shockwaves through the state is the fact that he's going to San Marcos. This is a team that had a really good run a couple years ago uh, and, and the year before, I think, and they totally fell off the map. Went one and nine in 2019, uh, and mm-hmm. this realignment they got slapped in the same district as defending state champion Austin Westlake and perennial power Lake Travis. Yeah. Uh, do I think that he'll go zero and two against those teams this next year? Heck no. Why? Because they're at the very beginning of the district schedule for San Marcos. Yeah. Uh, you know, they, they play Lake Travis before September even ends. Wow. Uh, and then they play Westlake the very next week. So th- it, it's there, it's right at the beginning of the district schedule. So I don't know if – I, I don't personally think San Marcos will, will go 0-2 against those teams. They may win one, but I don't think they'll, they'll go uh, 2-0. 2-0. 2-0. 2-0. 2-0. 2-0. 2-0. I'm 2-0. sorry. Yeah. I misspoke. You're fine. Um, no, but, but here's what my question is in regards to this. Why do you think Walsh would take this job? Because if if obviously he's in the same uh, district as uh, Westlake and Lake Travis and all these other teams, why why would he take this? Because if he didn't think he had a chance to win, you know, most coaches aren't just going to go to a place just because they think you know they get a bunch of money from it. It's not that he doesn't have a chance to win right off the bat. Uh, I mean, heck, you can ask Tim Buchanan and Alito his first year at Alito. They went two and eight, and that was back in nineteen ninety. Three, ninety-four. Um, you know, it, it, I, if if a coach comes into a school and thinks I'm going to win year one, and that's uh, like that's it, I've peaked. Yeah. Uh, like I don't think that's his mentality. I think that he he's he, he's excited for the challenge of coming in and turning this of turning the Rattlers around. Uh, they've got nice facilities, g- gorgeous facilities. San Marcos is a six A school, but it's a one horse town. That's it's the only high school in town, so that's always a plus. You've got the entire community behind you at that point. Yeah, um, and we see how these one you know one schools you know, how one school can dominate a town because I mean even look at Allen, look at Alito for example. There are no other high schools in those uh, towns, and they completely dominate because they have such a large pool uh, of players to pull from. Right, and, and I think that when we're looking at this, and obviously that was kind of what I thought maybe is the reason behind. What he's looking yeah. at, as well as the district that he's in, because I mean, if you wanna, if you can win in the district that he's at, you can win anywhere in Texas high school football. Absolutely. So I, I think that he might be looking at it from that perspective. I still don't get why he necessarily left Geyer, because I think he had a good spot there, but um, I, I don't know. I'm with you, Blake. I don't, uh, I don't know why he left Geyer because he just made a state championship run, and which a game which. Most people thought they would have won if their quarterback would have stayed healthy, and he was returning. And like Nolan said, the offensive line too. But I don't know. That's just how the world world works sometimes. But I, I was shocked to see him go to San 
to go to San Marcos. I, I I was as well. I, I mean, I was you know I was actually getting ready for bed. I mean, this thing dropped at like ten o'clock. Yeah, because in the, in it was the, uh, last yeah. night. A friend uh, of ours, uh, Daniel Sanchez, was actually the guy who sent me that article. Um, in regards to that, yeah, day, yeah. Apparently, Walsh went right to Dave Campbell's and said, "Hey, this is going to come down in a couple weeks." And Matt Matt Step actually tweeted, I think it was last Wednesday or something. Uh, uh, you know, they've got the, his his step bombs. Uh, that's what they call the the coaching changes and everything. And he said, "This one is going to mm-hmm. send this one is going to send ripples for the entire Texas high school football Absolutely. world. This is going to be a big one. Hold on to your seats." And and, 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 and I, it I, did. I, it, I was yeah. at uh, my friend's house and I texted you, Nolan, as soon as I. Hit, Saw the news and no one responds in all caps. I know. Yeah, I said holy. <laughs> uh, so it it was uh, it was so, it was something that shocked me. I mean, literally, I was ready for bed. I sat up and made about five phone calls and wow. was freaking out. Um, uh, no, I think he's I think he's excited for the challenge. Uh, you know, and, and if he's like most coaches I've ever spoken to, he's the big believer in. Um, you know, the, the tougher schedule you have, the better you're going to end up ultimately being. And so I think that I think that that'll reign true. I mean, I know that he's he'll have some, uh, you know, it, it, outside of Westlake and Lake Travis, it won't be a cakewalk through that district. But, no. I mean, you've already got those two on there. If you make the playoffs, you're going to be in there with the Katy schools. You're going to be in there with, uh, with some Houston schools. Uh, I'm sorry, are they region three or four? I think they're, I think they're region, region three. three. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, they're region three. Um, yeah, so they're going to be in there with Katie and, uh, and, and the Cypher schools and all that. Um, you know, there so, some, uh, some, uh, Fort Bend schools are starting to make a splash in there. Shadow Creek mm-hmm. is now in 6A. Mm-hmm. Like they're in a, not, not only are they in a gauntlet of a district, they're in a gauntlet of a region. I mean, Shadow Creek, let's put it like this. We've both been impressed by how well they've done in their first two years of football. Oh and, yeah. I mean, not even looking at that. You, you can't discount yet like Fort Ben Marshall who's made it to uh, Fort Ben Marshall who's made it to a state championship you know I, I, I do think that you know it's going to be something that they will it's going to be tough but I'll just put it like this if he has success in that I have no doubt he'll win a state a few state championships it, it may come years down the road I, the one thing I don't want to see from him is that he goes to the school there's so much talk and there's so much hope and then he ends up just living in the shadows of Hank Carter and the Lake Travis Cavaliers. Mm-hmm. I or do. Todd Dodge in the Westlake I, I hope the people behind him are patient and give yeah. him time and aren't too harsh on him when he first, his first couple of years. That's one thing. Take, yeah. Go ahead. Sorry, I didn't it, mean to interrupt. Oh, no. I was just going to say, it's going to take – I don't think – people shouldn't expect a state championship in year one or two. And, and that's a great point, Mason, because that's one thing I, I have a problem with nowadays is when looking at how many, like, just teams, uh, not even just on an NFL level or a college level, but on a high school level, if people aren't performing in the first two years, they're automatically calling them to be fired. It takes a lot longer to develop a team, and, and you know, from that standpoint, and to get that success and that culture built, you know, it takes more than just a year or two. So I, I think that I wish him the best of luck. I think that they will eventually become a contender. Maybe not this first year, like we said, or maybe not next year. But I think within the next four years, I think we're going to be looking at a team that can make some waves throughout uh, the throughout the state. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how that goes. My one thought is, I, I'm wondering because I mean, th- you got to remember he just coached against Todd Dodge in a state championship. And, and 
I mean, Dodge ended up on top, but that's because, you know, Walsh lost his most powerful weapon. If Stowers was in that game, I, I think Geyer would have... I, I think Geyer might have won. Um, I don't know if they would have 100%, but, but go ahead. Todd Dodge, the coach at Westlake, I, I'm wondering if after Walsh resigned at Geyer, if Dodge was like, I want that guy to coach in my district. Yeah. Because, because Todd Dodge, I mean, that's a smart man. I mean, you know, we saw it at South Lake Carroll way back in the 2000s, in the early 2000s. Uh, we're seeing it at Westlake now. I mean, heck, uh, Hank, I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure he convinced Hank Carter at Lake Travis to go, we got to get this guy coaching somewhere in our district. And, I, I, you know, San Marcos, I guess, was just the was was the one who was hiring. But I, I want to know if, if Dodge and Carter had anything to do with Walsh going to that district because I'm just saying, and and I'm not a conspiracy nut, but I totally am. Um, <laughs> Trust me, I understand. This, this seems a little too weird that the one school, like the school that hired him, ended up being the uh, in a district with the two of the best programs in the state, and one of those being the coach he just coached against in a state title. This seems a little too coincidental. I did wonder about that because I was thinking Westlake. I was like, why are you wanting to play it? I mean, maybe I thought it would, might be like a revenge thing, but uh, I don't know. That's not I, Walsh. Yeah, I, I just, I really don't. And that's why I said I just didn't know. But um, it's going to be interesting. And I, I, I really think that, however, as soon as... Uh, they take off. I think as soon as San Marcos gets a foothold in that district, you're going to have the best district in all of Texas high school football, potentially. I agree. I agree. And, yeah. and that's what that's what everyone looks for every realignment year uh, is just who where's the toughest district. Obviously, this year it has to be Duncanville, DeSoto, Cedar Hill, oh, yeah. Waco, Midway, Mansfield, Lake Ridge. Like, it's got to be that district. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, a, a lot of times the, the 5A Division One with Cedar Park and Vista Ridge, and like that – that is always a very tough district. Um, this, that's what everyone looks for. And I think next realignment year, I mean, heck, we got two years of the next realignment. We have two full seasons to get through, right? We just had the realignment. If by the end of year two, Walsh is a combined record over two years of, and I'm just speaking regular season, but if he's at 10 and 10 or better, I wonder if the UIL, you know, aside, you know barring any enrollment, you know, mishaps goes. That was a good district. Yeah. Be, but, but at the same time, they also got to look at location and San Marcos can be thrown out with San Antonio schools. But I'm telling you what, man, if it all comes to a head and in two years, Walsh has take, has taken the, the previously one in nine San Marcos Rattlers to the quarterfinals and, Falling shy of Katie by two points, like that's going to be what to watch for every single year. Absolutely. Lake Travis, Westlake, San Marcos. That's going to be those. Mm-hmm. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're finally, finally going to talk about the NFL draft and NFL free agency. Uh, just remember that everything we said in our draft preview that never made it to air was correct. We were 100% cor- uh, correct. Uh, find out if that's true when we come back here on the Nolan <laughs> Company Sports Podcast. Hey, sports fans, this is Nolan Ruth and Blake Martin from the Nolan & Company Sports Podcast. We recently went through a company shift where we lost a sponsor but then gained another one. And we're here to tell you about Bar 5 Custom Welding and Fencing based in Weatherford, Texas. If you're in the Parker County area and would like to add a fence to your backyard or even your front yard if you're like that, reach out to our friends at Bar 5 Custom Welding and Fencing. 
Uh, I've seen some of, the, some of their products, and it is very, very good. Uh, they're reasonably priced. They have a lot of positive reviews. They're uh, open 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. every day. You can reach out to them at 817-613-4997. Again, that's 817-613-4997. So call them today and get your custom welding or fence for your house. What's up, everybody? This is the Nolan Company Sports Podcast here with Mason, Blake, and Nolan. We just got done wrapping up the shocking news of John Walsh going to San, San Marcos to take the head football job, and now we're going to get into some NFL draft talk, finally, and we're going to talk about how we correctly picked all 32 picks, and that is the first time in history, so why we should be your number one source of sports. But anyway, let's get let's get into it. Uh, Nolan, what was your biggest takeaway of the draft? My biggest takeaway for, was for, I, first round. Okay, so so I will tell you this. All right, we we gotta we gotta we gotta bust our own nuts here. All right, uh, we did not successfully predict all thirty-two picks, unfortunately. I don't think we were even close. We were Which not even close expected. because we, I think it was about pick number three that I was really thrown off and going okay. This is a brand new ball game now. I was actually anybody can go anywhere now. Yeah, I was three for three at the start of the draft, um, but then the Giants were on the clock, and I don't think anybody can correctly pick who the Giants are going to pick because we can—they're just clueless. So, but I—I I had a pretty good run for three picks. The one thing I will definitely say that I was correct about is that nobody had. Jordan Love going as high as he did. Nobody had him going as high as he did. And I knew exactly where he was going to go. Uh, I don't think I said it to y'all on that show that never made it to air. But I, I told anyone who asked me behind the scenes about this um, that I think Jordan Love is going to go in the first round. Nobody had him going in the first round. Everyone had him going yeah. in the second round. And I, I, said, I had him as he's first gonna go round first guy. Round, and it's going to be Green Bay. And everyone thought I was crazy. Yeah. Everyone well, thought I was crazy. To be fair, I still think you are crazy because I that was probably the biggest shock to me in the entire first round was the Jordan Love pick, especially that they traded up to get him. Yeah. Well, they didn't want to run the risk of anyone above them in round 2 getting it because I mean, you look at you look at some of these teams, anyone would have benefited from getting uh, that quarterback, uh, Detroit. I mean, Matthew Stafford is not the mm-hmm. same Matthew Stafford he used to be. Washington is still going through their maze of quarterbacks. Uh, uh, I mean, the Chargers could have gotten one. Uh, you know, Carolina could have got. I mean, you know, probably not at that point. But well, my question to you is, how do you think this impacts the relationship with Aaron Rodgers? Because he obviously is looking at this and saying, "Okay, this is my replacement guy. I'm, you know, getting up in." They're in my 30s. Uh, you know, how do you think this affects him? Do you think that this adds extra pressure onto him to perform? Well, or what do you I, think the play is? I don't think, from what from what I believe, I don't think he's happy at all. Because if you look at it, they were just in the NFC Championship game. And they went 13-3. and three. So yeah. you're looking at possibly one or two pieces away of contending for a Super Bowl. And everybody knows that. Packers lack a certain amount of weapons. They need a, they need some more receivers behind 
Devontae Adams, and they didn't draft one in the entire draft. And instead, in the first round, they drafted a quarterback. And then, I know we're not talking about second round, but they drafted a running back, too, and they have Aaron Jones. So they drafted two positions, which are their two biggest impacts, to make a run, and they didn't draft anything around them. So, But they're the two uh, oldest I, I, impacts as well. I, that's well, the, Aaron Jones is Aaron Jones is young. Aaron, Aaron Jones is a running back. He's like Aaron, twenty. He's he's on the right side of thirty. Aaron Jones is pretty young, okay. But let, let, let's look at this. You know, I'm losing my words here. But but like let let's look at the let's take a step back and look at this from the outside, okay? Because in the NFL, especially in NFL history, there have only been about a handful of running backs who really haven't been about as expendable as a kicker. Yeah, and I know that's really that's really you know pushing it right there, but I mean just the, I mean really you have a, you have the coaching carousel that goes through all levels of football. You, I mean you you really have a running back carousel in the National Football League as well. Well, yeah, the average lifespan of a running back in the NFL was something like two years. I think they did a determination right. on it. It's really not that long, but but my biggest deal is forget about the running back with Jordan Love. I mean. Why take him in the first round? I mean, that's my point to Green Bay is, look, I, I get the fact that you're trying to get somebody to replace Aaron Rodgers, but, like, you can get a lot of good quarterbacks. I mean, Russell Wilson went in the second or third round. I mean, uh, you and he's arguably one of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL right now. I mean, you, you don't have to go for that first-round pick. I don't know I, why yeah. you necessarily go with somebody first round. That, you know, I, 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 the only thing I can see is just to kind of piss off Rodgers that had try and put more pressure on him to produce. Well, look, we, we it's knew not, that... It's not... Go ahead, it, Mason. Sorry, Nolan. I was saying, it's not the fact that, that Jordan Love went in the first round and that that's what... It's that the fact that the Packers picked him but in that's which the situation, they were just, in the situation they were just in. Yeah. I, and you, you look at the receivers who went in the second round. T. Higgins was the first pick of the second round. He went to the Bengals. Uh, Michael Pittman from USC was still there. Um, so... I mean, if I was a GM, I would have been looking that way. I wouldn't have been looking to replace the best player on the team. I would have been looking to help him out well, yeah, to make a, exactly, another run exactly. in the Super Bowl. That's my point to everyone. Is I, I think that, that that that's their whole thing. They're trying to replace the guy right now. I think Aaron Rodgers can win another Super Bowl. There's no yeah, doubt. Yeah, they're in a, they're in a win now situation. They're not yeah. in a this this was a rebuild pick instead yeah. of a let's win now. We just made it to the NFC Championship. Let's make another run. So yeah. that was my problem. This is a big problem that the Texans used to have before they had Deshaun Watson. Like they were I think they still have a good chance, but there was a time like in the late 2000s and early 2010s where they were one pick away from potentially getting in a good playoff run. But they never picked right. That's the issue that I see with the Packers here. This was a wasted mm-hmm. pick. I think that you, like you said, maybe you didn't pick up Love, but you could have picked up a quarterback in maybe the third round or whatever. You want to use that first pick, you know, as something very valuable. You want some. You don't want to get a crap quarterback in the seventh round or in the sixth round. You want to get one in the middle of the road, maybe like I said, to try and get something out of it. Okay. I, I do think that it was a wasted pick, though. Okay. Hold up. Hold up. Hold up. Hold up. Everyone's everyone's slow the show, okay? Because uh, y- y'all are not looking at this the same way I'm looking at this. Because Rodgers is getting up there in age, and yes, they are in a very win now. Uh, they're they're a very win now type of team. Unfortunately, it's just the way it is right now. But that's not the the teams that the, I mean. Just look at Packers history. That's just not the team they've ever been. Uh, you know that's not who they were under Lombardi. 
Uh, granted, they you know under Lombardi they could have afforded to yeah. win now because they were that good. Yeah. But uh, that's not the team they were with Brett Favre and every. I mean they they were they, they are not a team who's afraid to draft for the future and that hasn't changed. But 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 my my question to you is. Could you not draft for the future and not take that in the first round? Because I'm saying, well, I'm saying that's a, that's a pick worth taking. I think Love was a first round talent, and I, and honestly, I agree with the Packers uh, who had a thought process of they don't trust that he's still going to be there in their second round pick. Uh, he's a first round talent. I truly believe. I, I was saying it from way before the draft. The, uh, the the scheme fits him, and what we're totally forgetting is that the relationship between Aaron Rodgers and Matt Lafleur is not a good relationship. That is not a good coach quarterback situa- uh, situation at all. Well, I understand that, but but I guess my point is yes, you're trying to build for the future. Yes, you're looking at that from can we take this guy? We might like him, but uh, like my point to them is. I'm thinking, all right, well, I have a few more years out of Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, there might be a little bit of a shaky relationship, but I can still get a good quarterback. It doesn't have to be Love. It can be another guy who goes later on. Who would they have gotten? Well, I mean, I don't know, but it's not my job. That's the GM's job. I mean, but my point is this is either way, I don't think you go with that pick. Like, if you're you're in a position, and I'm saying, this this is how I view it. If I'm going to say I could pick somebody right now, somebody who I really need, and I'm only one position away from winning now, I'm mm-hmm. going to try and shoot my chances of Super Bowl now. There's a time to rebuild, and there's a time just to go for it. The problem yeah, with, let's I mean, say that, yeah, go ahead, Mason. There's no other there was probably no other quarterback for them to take this year's draft, but I don't know why they had to pick a quarterback in this year's draft because I still think you're getting get about three or four more years of Aaron Rodgers. And like I said, with all the receivers that were on the board at that time, I don't agree with the pick. I understand that they're trying to build for the future, but I think that they could have waited at least one more year to draft Aaron Rodgers' replacement, especially where they are right now. And okay, so it's not it's not it's not that they didn't pick a receiver in the first round. They didn't pick a receiver in the entire draft. And this was everyone was saying before the draft, this is the best wide receiver draft class we've ever seen. And they didn't even take advantage of that. Look, I, I agree with you that their overall draft grade is terrible. I, I do. The, the Packers the, the Packers and Raiders were probably the two worst drafting teams mm-hmm. in this draft. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, you're, y'all are taking the entire draft's perspective. I'm looking at this one pick because you get him under Aaron Rodgers for a couple of years. It, it, I, I, Mason, you, you have access to your laptop at the moment. You can probably look up how much he still has left on his contract. But, I mean, you let him learn under Aaron Rodgers. You let Aaron Rodgers walk. Aaron Rodgers possibly goes somewhere else that, that has, you know, the offensive build, just not a, just not a, uh, that top-tier quarterback. This is going to be invaluable learning experience uh, for Jordan Love. My other thing is, y'all are saying, Blake, you're, you're the one saying that, that they take a, a quarterback later in the draft. So you're, So if what you're telling me is that Jordan Love is not there by their second-round pick when they wanted him, Obviously, otherwise they would not have traded up to get him, which you had a point on. You would take either Jake Fromm or Jacob Eason in in the later rounds. But yeah, I would, and I think that Jake Fromm is a kind of an underrated quarterback. My my point to you, Nolan, is there are plenty of people who were taken in later rounds. Look at Brett Favre. Look at all the people, and then after that, look at all the people who sat on Brett Favre, who later on had successful NFL careers. I mean, my point to that is. You don't have to have a first-round talent for them to develop. A lot of these guys who sit behind Hall of Fame quarterbacks have good careers themselves. Look at Steve Young. I don't think I, I don't remember where he was taken, but at the same time, he sat behind Joe Montana. 
get whether you're a I'm not saying you take them in later rounds. I'm saying you take them in the earlier rounds. And if you had somebody like I, Islam who you know you can develop, that I think is a better better pick and a better way to go instead of wasting your first uh, first round pick on somebody who you could immediately plug in and start winning games with instead of somebody who you're going to have to bench because he's not going to be an asset to your team at the current moment. In the case of Jordan Love, I, go ahead, man. Yeah. I, I agree with no he made one point about drafting that because we know Aaron Rodgers is getting there up there in age and they want to get their replacement if I was a GM I know uh you asked Blake what would he do what quarterback I would have taken a quarterback in this year's draft at all maybe you can sign one and free Andy Dalton wasn't signed at that time you could sign him but yeah. I would have done what they did this year one year later or yeah. two because I, that, I don't but, think I don't think this was the right time to draft a replacement that's my I point agree. especially in the first round but at that not the time, right time. Andy, I'm just saying at that time, Andy Dalton was not even a free agent. Uh, I mean, I have it right here in my notes. He was still under contract with the Bengals. They had not let him go yet. And, and so you 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 can't – that's not a risk you can really bank on going, oh, we're going to hope that this guy gets cut and sent to free agency. No, that's not a gamble you try to take in the NFL. If you if you think you got the guy, you take the guy. That's exactly what the but, Cowboys but, did with C.D. Lamb. They, they, they thought they had the guy to fill that three-wide receiver spot. I wasn't happy about it at first. I've since come around. But you, you see the guy that you want, the, the guy who's on your board that you say, we need to get this guy, we want to get this guy, and we're willing to trade up to take him, then you take him. But but here's my point. Uh, oh, go ahead, Mason. Uh, but I think the one difference between the CD Lamb, and we'll talk about the CD Lamb pick, the one difference between the CD Lamb pick and the uh, Jordan Love is that it's we're probably waiting for another three, four years before Jordan Love even makes an impact for the Packers. Yeah. Exactly. Instead of someone like, instead of like a T. Higgins who would have made a day one impact, you put him exactly. next to Devontae Adams. But it's a long term investment. I mean. I, uh, oh, I totally agree. Totally agree. But but do you make but like what Mason is saying? Do you make that long term investment now? That's my point. Is does it need to be made at this current moment? Because. We can say whatever, and we can say, yes, Jordan Love is a good talent, but there will be talent in next year's draft as well. And, and do we not necessarily wait for that? That's my point. Is like You have needs. If you're looking at it, wants versus needs, you have a need at this current moment at, at with the Packers to maybe pick up a really good wide receiver. In that standpoint, you take that bet. My point is this. is It's a very Jerry Jones-esque pick because for the longest time, the Cowboys used to take – just a high-profile guy. They wouldn't take what they needed. Not that this is not necessarily, oh, this is a high-profile profile guy. I think this is a future investment. But that being said, they wouldn't go with what with what they needed at the current moment, up until about 2011 when they started taking like Tyrone Smith and they needed an offensive line. But my point is that I think that the Packers kind of raised some you know eyebrows with this, saying, oh, wow, you know they took this guy, Aaron Rodgers is their starting quarterback. I don't think it was... It's not a bad pick. I don't think we're saying it's a terrible pick, but it's not the pick that if I was in that position, that I would necessarily say, hey, I'm trying to win this year. I, I would not have done that. But that's just if, my personal opinion. If the Packers were 8-8 eight eight last year, I would be on Nolan's side right now because I, I would there would be an argument would to too. be made. But the fact too. that they were one game away from the Super Bowl, if I was in charge, I would have drafted the piece that could – maybe put us over the hump, not one that you're talking about the future. Yeah. That's like all. Said, I think like you said, maybe you right pick, pick, wrong time. Right yeah. pick, wrong time. Exactly, exactly. 
Anyways, we I no one other quarterbacks saying. taken the uh, uh, obviously the one that we all knew the Bengals took Joe Burrow first overall. Mm-hmm. Uh, How do you what, think that's going to work? Well, one of my top notes is what happens to Andy Dalton. We know now that we now know that mm-hmm. answer. Um, but uh, but I thought they were going to have to have to draft a lot more O line the rest of the draft, and they didn't do that. Uh, yeah. So I'm very concerned for Joe Burrow uh, and how this first year is going to go uh, with him in Cincinnati. My other question is who are his targets? He's got AJ Green. What else does Cincinnati but have? But there's for? not a lot. T. Else. T. Higgins. They drafted T. Higgins. They the did draft first T. pick yeah. the second. Dra- second they, did, they did draft T. Higgins, but I don't think that. And you're right. I mean, he he was probably a first round talent. I think that some guys went in the first round yeah. and shouldn't have gone in the first round. Um, He's you know, got Joe Mixon to hand it off to. I, I think the Bengals are extremely lucky that he actually fell into the second round because oh, they yeah. had the first pick. Well, let, let's talk about that a little bit because, like, my point is this is. We had this discussion before. They spent all that money on A.J. Green. And, and, yeah, you might have other people there, but but you still don't have that great of wide receiver wide receiver core. I mean, you have two guys, but at the same time you're also looking at what what's the most important for a especially a passing offense, or any offense for that matter, which is a good offensive line. And, and right now I don't think they have that. So I think this first year for Burrow might be a little rough until maybe they could pick up somebody with free agency. Maybe they could draft somebody at next round. But I think that you you draft for what you need at the current moment. And, and I think that this is something that, that I think they maybe dropped the ball on. But go ahead. I think I think their skill positions are, on, like, I would say fine is the right word. But the offensive line is a worry. I mean, they have he's got Joe Mixon at running back. That's a solid running I mean, yeah. he's not. I wouldn't say he's a lead or top five, top ten, but that's a solid running back to get take pressure off. It um, is. You got you got two big targets on the outside, and he Higgins and Green, and you got Ross in the slot. So I think for Burrow, his worry is the people protecting him, not the weapons that he has. That that is, and and, and you brought up Joe Mixon. I mean, I don't think that his protection is going to be great, um, especially because I mean, look, he's going to be facing blitzes that he never saw in college. Uh, I mean. Go back and look at go back and look at the playoff. Clemson really never rushed more than four. Oklahoma never rushed more than three. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know the the SEC going through conference play. He was rushed a few times, but the LSU line was just that good. Yeah. He doesn't have a good yeah. line in front of him right now, and I think that he's going to take quite a beating over this next year. And the problem with that is if you can't establish the passing game with the O line you have, then how do you think you can expect to set up to establish the run game exactly. with that offensive line? Mm-hmm. I agree, hundred percent. Any other big takeaways? Very, that you have? very next, very next pick was uh, Chase Young going to Washington. That was the other one that I think everyone was expecting. He was yeah. the potential number one overall before Burrow completely tore up college football this past year. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, my, my big question from this is, is I'm wondering how he's going to thrive under Ron Rivera because Rivera's obviously, I mean, you know, he's got a very good defensive mind. He was part of that '85 Bears squad. Uh, you know, he, he he knows he knows defense really well. The, but the most success, successful team he ever had was that Panthers team that was all offense, offense, offense. Yeah. Uh, it, it, I, I, I am wondering how Chase Young will thrive under Ron Rivera, if he will thrive under Ron Rivera. And, you know, who knows? In four to five years, he may end up somewhere else. Uh, I mean, much like Khalil Mack did, he, you know, it, and uh, he may be tearing it up in, the, in another division. That's, that's the other thing that scares me is the division he's in. Uh, you know, there's some great offensive alignment, uh, offensive lines in the NFC East, and the Giants really bulked theirs up in this draft. You know, mm-hmm. and the and the Cowboys. I mean, the Cowboys have offensive linemen unfortunately dropping like flies, but they also drafted some offensive linemen. Like 
that he's going up against some of the best offensive lines in professional football. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. I, I I wonder what I wonder what that's going to do to him. Uh, you know, only time will tell. Uh, and and I I'm an offensive minded person, so I can speculate with offense, but I can't really speculate with defense as well. But I I, I think he'll be I think he'll uh, do really good. Um, and then of course at number five, uh, Miami took two attack by Loa. Uh, injury concerns are the only thing that I would that really worries me about the Dolphins take with this pick. Um, if it works, it really opens up the playbook because mm-hmm. they haven't had the style of quarterback that Tua Tagovailoa is, and uh, I think that opens up a lot more passes uh, going deep. You know, trying to get the protection to let him improvise, maybe let him run a little bit if it works. If it works, but um, but they they also failed to bulk up their O line in this draft, and I thought that was a uh, that was that was very unwise of the Dolphins to do. With the very next pick, the Chargers took Justin Herbert, um, uh, Michael Hargrave, who's the latest addition to our Nolan and Company crew, who you may hear from. Um, I don't know when, but pretty soon. Uh, the Oregon fan, he was pretty excited about this pick, mm-hmm. um, and it's a good fit for the scheme. I think he's a very Philip Rivers esque quarterback in a way. I mean, he's not afraid to sit in the pocket. Uh, he's definitely not afraid to take off and run, which was something that Rivers never really did. But he sits in the pocket. He's patient. He will let the receivers, uh, he'll let the receivers run their routes, and then he'll he'll go off of that. The problem is, though, is he needs the receivers, and the Chargers just don't have that right now. Yeah, I agree. Uh, he should look good, but it's going to take time. He'll look good in time. Um, Jacksonville taking C.J. Henderson, uh, the the def- the defensive back. Great speed. Speed. <laughs> He's small, but he has great eyes. It's a good pick, but but I, I don't think that the ja- much to the point Mason was kind of making with good pick, wrong time with uh, with the Jordan Love controversy that we just had. I think that Jacksonville needed someone to bulk up their their defense, but they needed so much more, and I don't think they should have prioritized getting C.J. Henderson um, before really going anywhere else. Um, Raiders did not draft well. They took uh, Henry Ruggs at number 12. Not the best receiver they could have gotten, if you ask me. I Yeah, I that pick confused me. I mean, you have all the receivers you want in the world, and... They went with Henry Ruggs over Judy and C.D. Lamb, which maybe I mean, that just shows you, if anything, that John Gruden, part towards he speed is his number one priority in his offense. Is that what is what that pick tells me? Because he was a number three receiver on my board. Yeah, he was. He really, he really wasn't the best receiver up there, and I was shocked by that pick. Uh, the very next pick, so so 12, 13, and fourteen and fifteen actually. Raise my eyebrows, um, because with 13, the Buccaneers traded up uh, with San Francisco to draft Tristan Wirfs, the the offensive tackle. And, and, and good I, lord, they wanted him badly yeah. if they were trading up like that. Uh, and, and to be honest, I, I think that the 49ers may have just pulled off a, a really big steal because they looked happy. The very next pick, they took Javon Kinlaw, uh, the yeah. defensive tackle. Um, they they pulled off a great robbery there because I think that that they were they were content with going one down and taking the guy they wanted, uh, and I, I'm pretty sure there were a couple more uh, and, picks yeah. in later drafts involved in that trade. But the, 
Tampa Bay is adding to what's already a scary offense with yeah. Brady and Gronkowski. That, and that's, that was my point. Is you're you're you are they are building that team around Tom Brady at this point, and it's not. I mean, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see how this whole thing works out. But you you obviously need good offensive linemen. You have all the wide receivers in the world plus Gronk. Uh, you know, OJ Howard. Yeah. Too. So. I mean, this is going to be a dominant team. I think you, you know. And we wouldn't have been probably saying this, you know, just a little while back, but I think that was a good that good pick for Tampa Bay. At fifteen, this is the this this one really raised my eyebrows because uh, um, I, I really didn't see Denver going here, but they ended up taking Jerry Judy, uh, it, who who in my mind was probably the best receiver on the board um, mm-hmm. for the entire first round, even up to this point. I'm surprised he didn't go earlier. Um, he did drop for a reason, so somebody knows something that we don't know, or, uh, you know, back in pick three when the Lions took Jeff Okuda, that kind of just sent a ripple effect, so a lot of people adjusted their boards accordingly, but he goes to Denver. My big thing is, who's his quarterback? It's yeah. not going to be Flacco. Drew Locke? I don't know if I'd trust Drew Locke in that off. Now, they might. John Elway has a way with quarterbacks, and I think that he saw something in Drew Locke a couple year, uh, a couple years ago when they drafted him, and I think that's why they didn't. I think they're happy with Drew Locke, but they're, I they're starting to build the offense they want, but I don't know if it'll be the offense they need. I don't know if it'll be the winning offense that John Elway hopes to build. I think... Go ahead. I, I I mean I I kind of have faith in Drew Lock if you if you ask me I mean I'm on the Drew Lock hype train he went four and one as a starter last year in the NFL he did he did so and he, he's got all I mean he's got Melvin Gordon now he's got Philip Lindsay and they also drafted KJ Hamler in later rounds Cortland Sutton so and John Elway's giving him talent to work with but again it's not he's not like one of those quarterbacks who you you're talking about top quarterbacks in the league he, his name doesn't come to mind but I think he can do the job. His, his his play style fits Denver perfectly. He's got the big arm. Um, he can make all the throws. So number seventeen, the Dallas Cowboys took CB Lamb, oh, yes. and I was not happy with this at first. Nor was I. Um, uh, I there I, is I, a vid- there is a video of me running around my house to show you how happy I was, which I will not post because it was kind of embarrassing. And at first, kind of my thought process with this pick was that, you know, I, I didn't necessarily, necessarily see the need for receivers, just even looking at just with the Cowboys, how they have Amari Cooper, and I think that the run game's pretty solid, obviously, with Ezekiel Elliott. But I, I think that it never hurts to get another offensive pick. That the way the I think why I had a negative view of this is because I was like, kind of as we were talking about earlier, the classic kind of Jerry Jones pick was to pick somebody who was – a big name player, somebody who is flashy. A lot of times, a skill player, uh, which isn't always bad, but maybe it's not the thing that they need. But uh, maybe this might not have been their biggest need. At the same time, though, it was something that I think uh, was a good pick overall, and I, I really don't see any problem with it. Do uh, do eventually to the fact that they eventually picked up what. I thought they needed, which was Trayvon Diggs, a cornerback. I thought right. they needed some sort of secondary, mm-hmm. but I think they got that with Diggs in the second round. So overall, I can't really complain about C.D. Lamb. I guess like with that good of a pick, you just take it sometimes. Um, and I, I think what they needed with this draft, they got out of it. So it was it was a I, very much yeah. 
he's the best guy on the board. We're going to take him scenario. Yeah. That, that's, that's pretty much what this was for the Cowboys. And that's what showed me, like, to me, this was a true sign of how things are different in Dallas. Because in my honest opinion, if uh, Jason Gert was still the head coach, I think we would have probably gone somewhere like Caleb on chase on and drafted a need instead of the best football player on the board. Because it came out that CeeDee Lamb was the number six player on the Cowboys board. And they got him at 17. And McCarthy... McCarthy told Will McClay, who is like the player personnel guy on the Cowboys, he said, we're going to start drafting football players. We're going to start drafting players over needs or something like that. And so that's what I really like about this CeeDee Lamb pick is that the Cowboys drafted the best football player who who was regarded as the best football player at 17 versus what they had. My bad. Uh, at, uh, at 19, the Raiders took, uh, took Damon Arnett. Uh, this was a reach. I, I, I that was a that was a big time reach. That was a big. I mean, it, it wasn't a terrible pick, but why? Like, yeah. why? I thought he would. Like, I, I could. I thought, I thought he was going to slip to the second round. I thought he was too. I thought he was a second or, or maybe even an early third round talent. Uh, it's not a terrible pick, but like you know, especially considering that they had an earlier pick in the draft that I think they wasted too. But but why? I mean, he was he would. He's gonna be a th- he's gonna be the third corner at best. Ah, uh, you know that 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 really kind of astonished me. But what what do you who do you think that they should have picked over him? Jeff Glad. If they were gonna go corner, they could have picked Jeff Gladney out of TCU. E- oh, easily. Or uh, if they but like the the thing is, is, I don't know what they were going for because they drafted all over the place. Yeah. Like there there was real no, like I I couldn't really tell any strategy to these draft picks. Personally, I think by far though the worst the worst overall team in picking uh, players was the Raiders by far. I I would say that uh, I I don't know necessarily what Gruden was talking about. I know we're kind of uh, focused on something else, but who would you say the worst pick? Who else, who would you say the worst pick overall would be in regards to the draft so far? I think I think the losers of the draft were definitely the Raiders. Uh, I didn't really like the – I would say the Titans. I wasn't a big fan of how the Titans drafted either. And then those would be my two biggest losers. And then my winners would be the Cowboys and probably the Vikings. I think the Vikings did, had a really good draft. I, I do agree that with Mason here that, that if they were going to go corner, they could have gone Gladney. I mean, he's got great speed. He's aggressive, and he, he really fits the scheme. I, I, I don't know why they went with Arnett. I, I really don't. I thought I thought the Raiders really, really kind of shot themselves in the foot with this draft. And then Jacksonville took uh, took Chase on, as we mentioned earlier. Uh, shoot, even that would have been a better pick for the Raiders than Arnett. Um, he's a great all-around player. He really strengthens a defense that really needs the strengthening. Um, but if I were them, I probably would have gone more offense. Uh, they, their offense was really, really lacking this past year. Yeah. Uh, and, and in the NFC South, in the NFC South, uh, outside of the Texans, there's really not a lot of great offense that came out of the AFC South this past year. If if I were Jacksonville, I may have built up my offense a little more because I think that the offenses are the weak point of everyone else. If you can build your offense. You're gonna be exactly. you're gonna be the force to be reckoned with in the AFC South. Uh, here's the one that probably scared me the most, being the Cowboys fan. But Philadelphia took Jalen Rager, uh, small but dangerous. Very that that's my number one note here. 
uh, it, uh, me being a Big 12 guy and, you know, being up here in Fort Worth, you know, I got to see a lot of Jalen Rager. Uh, that guy scares me. And, and will, but will Wentz throw to him? Can Wentz get him the ball? If he can, he's going to be a dangerous, dangerous threat in this Eagles offense. Um, but but Wentz has got to get it to him. That's, that's the big key on that one. Uh, Justin Jefferson ends up going to the Vikings. That's a pretty good pick. Um, which I which I love. I love Justin Jefferson. I think I talked about it in the pre-draft when it got record when it got deleted. But I love Justin Jefferson coming out of college. I already think he's going to be a thousand yard receiver year one, especially with Diggs leaving. So he's a big time target now for Kirk Cousins. At twenty three, the Patriots traded their pick to the Chargers, uh, who ended up taking Kenneth Murray, the Oklahoma linebacker. I thought that was a great pick, and, and great. Pick. He, he he is so he's I mean he's so good coming out of the defensive backfield right there uh, where the linebackers are. He got he'll put pressure on a quarterback in a division that that's going to be key. We brought up Drew Locke. I don't know how Drew Locke will handle if yeah. Kenneth Murray's a starter for the Chargers this next year. Uh, Trying to pressure Mahomes, that's going to be key. That's what the 49ers did this uh, this past Super Bowl. And it even look at it, it, it did. It did. Or for three quarters, actually. Yeah. I mean, Mahomes and that Kansas City offense really didn't catch fire until the fourth quarter of that game. So, so defense, I think, was, the, was a great pick for the Chargers. I think they got a great quarterback and a great linebacker in the first round. I think the Chargers did pretty well overall in the first round. Um, and then the only real pick I have of note, other than the uh, Jeff Gladney going to the Vikings at 31, um, was shoot, I just dropped it. Uh, was uh, oh no, that was it. Actually, it was the Kenneth Murray one. Um, all right, there's your e break for you. Uh, overall, I thought it was a pretty good draft. The Raiders obviously came out as big losers. I thought the Cowboys and the 49ers really came out as winners. And boy, <laughs> the stars are aligning. We that playoff rivalry may be back, man. I don't know. We'll see. We'll, we'll see. Let's I, not get ahead of ourselves. We we'll, we will really have to see what Tampa Bay does first. But I, I'm dude, telling you, the if, stars if, are if, aligning. If Brady if Brady wins another Super Bowl, dude, that's just. I mean, I'll put it like this. What's going to be interesting, cementing his legacy, is if he can win without Bill Belichick. I think if he wins I without agree. Belichick. I think he's no doubtedly uh, he's undoubtedly the greatest of all time. I mean, people already talk about that now, but I think that there is doubt in regards to that because of how much Bill Belichick had an influence on it. If he wins without Belichick, I think you can crown him that undisputedly. Um, and if I'm being if I'm being honest, we'll get into this closer to the season. I'm sure we'll do like a division by division breakdown. I don't even think the Bucks are going to win their division. <laughs> I think the Saints I don't are going to win it's the NFC South. I don't either. New Orleans and all those guys. But yeah. I, I mean, I that, is a, you, that is a tough you, division. I can tell you you're not alone in that. Yeah. That was NFL talk. We finally got it done, and hopefully we won't lose this episode. Knock on wood. Um, <laughs> uh, so, you know, that there's, there's our NFL talk, our draft recap. Sorry we couldn't get the preview out for you, but I told you we were 32 for 32. Mm-hmm. Not really. When we come back, we're going to get into uh, all the other sports that are currently not playing right now. Some that actually are. I'll, I'll touch lightly on those. We won't go into conversations about those. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the other three major sports, uh, four if you count soccer, uh, that are trying to get back and trying to find a way to get back on the field. We'll talk about that next year on the Nolan Company Sports Podcast.
Welcome back to the Nolan Company Sports Podcast. Little Phil Collins to kick off our final session. And one of his lesser known but still great songs. Welcome to the music hour. <laughs> welcome to welcome to the cool hour. Oh, Little Phil Collins there to kick us off for our final segment where we are going to hit all the remaining major sports as fast as we possibly can. But as thoroughly as we possibly can. But before we do that, we were just talking about this in the break, but to our listeners, we we, we got to have this conversation again, but uh, are, are y'all watching The Last Dance? I watched a little bit mm-hmm. of it. I actually just started on it. Someone I, went on Twitter. I just finished all 10 episodes. Sorry, I, I was just saying I just finished all 10 episodes. Someone went on Twitter and started a an account called Michael Jordan Jamming Out from this little 10-second clip of, is it episode 9 or is it episode 10? I think I think it was 10. I remember it, it being 10. He, he's on the bus, and he's got his headphones on. He's got this big grin on his face, and he he's kind of moving. And so, like, there's no real rhythm to how he's moving. It's just kind of everywhere. And so it literally fits any song ever made. Like, they've used September from Earth, Wind, and Fire, uh, All Star by Smash Mouth, yeah. uh, that girly song A Thousand Miles by Vanessa Carlson. Yeah. Like, <laughs> they're using everything. And it's, it's the funniest thing I've ever seen on social media. If you all have Twitter, just look up Michael Jordan jamming out. It's one of the most entertaining pages I've ever seen on social media, ever. I think, I think this is going to be the next... Uh, this is going to be the, uh, what was something that was uh, social media famous? Well, it was like the Jordan crying meme. Yeah, Jordan, yeah, yeah. Other. No more Jordan Did crying he, memes. It's now just him jamming out. He joked about that, actually, at uh, Kobe Bryant's in memoriam. Yeah. He's like, he's like, the only other time I like had to cry was because of him, like, the first time. It's like, don't make a meme out of me this time. <laughs> so, that's a good segue. So, the NBA... I gotta be honest, man. They're kind of keeping us in the dark. I mean, like I know that teams are finally, well, uh, re- they're ready yeah. and they're going back to their facilities. But uh, is there any plan being talked about to come back for the NBA? See, and that's the one thing that they really have left everyone in the dark because I was watching uh, ESPN this morning, and it's about half the teams that have reported back to their facilities that have started workouts, but there's still half of them who haven't, and, and that's going to be a key factor. Is because if none of these guys, number one, I don't think they have a plan. I think they might have a few plans, but they don't know. They don't have a definitive plan. They're, I think they're probably still thinking things through, which, which to me, I, I don't understand why. With all this time that you've had, you didn't have some sort of a plan put together. I mean, look at Major League Baseball, and we'll get into that in a minute. But they have a plan of reopening, as well as um, other things such as the NHL. The NHL. So I mean, the NBA really has kind of dropped the ball on this, or at least. They might not have dropped the ball, but they're definitely not being transparent when it comes to how they're going to reopen. And, and I, I think it is a little bit concerning, to, to be completely honest with you. I I think there is one, there was a proposed plan, but it's not set in stone, about playing in two cities. And I think one of them was actually at Disney in Orlando or at Orlando Studios or something like that to limit the amount of travel. But... You're right. When the, the NBA has been the most quiet, I believe, out of all the leagues and their proposed ideas to come back. So, Blake, you mentioned that, that about half the teams have, have reported back to their facilities. Half haven't. Well, those half aren't going to the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, we're, we are in the final stretch of both the basketball and hockey seasons when this whole thing started. Now, if the NBA doesn't have a plan, 
the Mavericks should be the champions because we won the final game that was played. But I, I totally uh, agree. <laughs> but, that is a uh, great point. But but I mean like. But to bring that up with the Mavericks, they were one of the teams who was competing for a playoff spot. They have not reported back to their facilities yet. So even just looking at that, they might be behind the ball on this when it comes to even if they do come back and they do have a chance to go into the playoffs. I mean, I, I, I'm just saying at this point, you're giving your competitors, and maybe it's for health, but regardless, you're still giving your competitors a big advantage if you're not getting back to work at this point. That's absolutely right, and, and I, I, I think that that is a very big disadvantage. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm very disappointed, and we don't have to get into this, but, but I think that Mark Cuban isn't really. Uh, being the best NBA owner that he could be at the moment, he's yeah. more worried about the actual virus itself, which which isn't a bad thing. But like yeah. when they're starting to reopen facilities and everything, you've got a team that has very good potential to go far in this playoffs should it be played, yes. and that is where most of your money's coming from, good sir. Yeah, and you have, and and Dallas, which is a very sports hungry city, that only gets you so far. Yeah. So, so that kind of disappoints me as a Mavericks fan. I mean, and again, it's not a bad thing that he's worried about, you know, the virus and everything. But, um, you know, but you know that he should know above all people that that when when we're in times like this, and you've said it many times before, Blake, is that we need a sense of normalcy. And when you're not helping us get back to that, you're you know you're not going to be looked on favorably by a lot of people. And that's my point. It's. We're looking, and not just to mention that, and not to get into this whole coronavirus debate, but we see numbers decrease, especially in states such as Texas. We've seen uh, a you know very well uh, handled plan put together by local officials, and as well, businesses have been taking precautions, and there we've we've seen a lot of improvement from this. My point to the Mavericks is you got, and this is for any other team. I mean, number one, you're going to have to start making money eventually, and maybe you don't have to. You know, immediately because they do have a lot of money stockpile. But, but you're thinking about this. Dallas, like you said, is a very sports hungry city, and a lot of people are going to start putting outside pressure on the Mavericks, or at least for them to just at least start playing. They don't have to have uh, players in the stand. I mean, fans in the stands. But that's what I don't mm-hmm. get. It's like, dude, just throw them out on the field. Yes, a player safety is important, but at the same time, like, I mean, how how big of a deal is it at this point? Uh, when it comes to all the people in the stand. Just keep them out of it. Have the press there. Have the players there. Play the game. Play the game. I I think that you really can start doing that at this point. And they're going to have to make that decision pretty soon. I don't know how, uh, you know, the Mavericks are going to decide in this case, but I think that it's something that really needs to be talked about. And I don't think they're making a good uh, decision on behalf of them as an organization on behalf of, and also on behalf of the fans because like I said you need to return to normalcy and you need to you know feel you know a little bit of comfort and I think bringing back sports is a way to do that the other indoor uh, sport the the counterpart if you will of the NBA the NHL uh, they have something on the table that's being discussed now um, I, I, I'm a little sketchy and I should know this because I'm the hockey guy of this company but um, I'm not sure where we are on teams reporting to facilities as far as the NHL goes, but I do know that there's something on the table to kick off potentially in in June, and that is immediately jump into a 2014 playoff. That way you kind of erase the uh, teams who are making a push, and that is no longer going to happen because you can't play the rest of the regular season. That kind of eliminates that. That is the majority of this league, though. So I so I did the math. I was on the phone yesterday with uh with our founding father William Edward Seth Moorhead. We wish him the best up in Michigan, and 
I did the research and found out that 24 out of 31 teams, you're leaving seven teams in the dark here. All right, right. There are seven teams who won't benefit from this. One of them is the Detroit Red Wings, who have a total of 39 points. The next worst team in the NHL is the Ottawa Senators with 62. The Red Wings were not going to be in the playoffs. Bottom line. I'm actually pretty sure they were already eliminated. Um, mm-hmm. But so you, so you, but you, because you have 31 teams, it's kind of an uneven thing. You have one more team in the East than you do in the West. So with seven teams, that odd number actually works out. You just lose one more team in the East than you would the West. Exactly. So the worst teams in the East are the Red Wings, Senators, Sabres, and Devils. Three of those are coming out of the Atlantic, one of those out of the Metropolitan. And honestly, it's kind of a stack the Metropolitan's kind of a stacked uh, is kind of a stacked division. The only team that's below five hundred in the Metropolitan is the Devils. They're behind five hundred by one game. So I think that that's going to be uh, that's going to be a little intriguing, um, and, and then the, the the Atlantic as well is very very good. The Bruins at the moment are the best team in hockey, um, so you get so you get rid of those. Everyone makes playoffs. I don't know if it's going to be a seeding kind of thing or if it's going to, uh, or how they're going to do this. But there's your teams in the East and in the West. You lose three teams, and the worst ones there all come from the Pacific with Sharks, Kings, and Ducks. Let's just think about this for a second, okay? First of all, let's laugh at California, because if this comes through, California has no team in the NHL playoffs. So, a little laugh at California. When they expanded the playoffs to fit 75% of the league. Absolutely. So, go ahead and point and laugh at California for a moment. Um, (laughs) But let's think about this. So, if that is, in fact, the case, the Central Division, the Blues, Avs, Stars, Jets, Predators, Wild, and Blackhawks, will all make the playoffs. That's a good deal. All for, of them. Good deal for the Stars. Good deal for well, the Stars. Well, the Stars were pretty much in a good playoff spot. The bad thing about that, though, was they were on a six-game losing streak when everything came to an end. Um, but uh, this time off, I, I don't know, because they said they're not practicing at all, which I guess nobody is, but, they, but the Stars said that that's the least of their concerns. So my concern as a Stars fan is great. When we come back, we're going to somehow look even more disorganized than we were. Um, but but let's just think about the absurdity of this for a second, okay? Three teams from each division go to the playoffs. Maybe four or five if, if two teams get a wild card. So that means at minimum, two teams in the Central Division don't go to the playoffs. Had you told me in December, hey, man, did you know that everybody in this division is going to make the playoffs? I would have slapped you. Yeah. Because I would have been like, do you not know how this works? Yeah. Everybody in the Central Division is going to make the playoffs? Everybody, if this thing gets pushed through. Now, again, I don't know if this is a seeding thing or what. I don't know how it's going to end up working out. But I honestly don't know who this benefits. And obviously you can't have seven-game series if you're expanding the playoffs this much. It already took a month and a half anyway. That's right. It's going to have to be a mm-hmm. sing- have to be a single elimination game or it's going to be a- have to be a best of three. True. Uh, that, that's a that's about all you can get. We've been talking about this for a while, and so uh, I don't know who this benefits really. I mean, you you, you got to get the guys back on the ice, whether there's fans or not, because the NHL pulls in enough revenue from TV. Uh, it's really one of the only three sports that's played through like throughout a major portion of the calendar. Um, you know, with those being MLS, MLB, and NBA, that pull in TV revenue. The NFL is really the only one that pulls in a lot of TV revenue. And that's because each team only gets 16 games, eight of them at home, right? There, there has to be that market, right? Yeah. Hockey teams get 41 games at home. Baseball exactly. teams get 82, right? 
the NHL amazingly has a big TV revenue. So they can afford to do this. Yeah. I don't know who benefits from this, though. The Bruins are the best team in hockey right now. The Blues are the best team in the West. The Abs are on fire. The Abs are only two points back of St. Louis at the moment for the best team in the West. The Stars are sl- were sliding when this thing came down. The Golden Knights were were uh, were be- kind of behind that pack, but still like really good. Like I said, Bruins best team in hockey. The Lightning are right behind them at ninety two points, and then you have a stacked Metropolitan Division who. Anyone could have made the playoffs. Like it would have gone down to the last two games of the season. Mm-hmm. I don't know who benefits from this. I really don't because this is just this is uh, in an unprecedented time. This is probably the most unprecedented thing in a sports world that I've seen so far. Yeah, I, I really, I mean, you're looking at it. You're already in a tough situation just to start. I, I, I yeah, I, I mean, uh, to be honest with you, like I really don't have an answer, so I'm not going to put that much of an emphasis on any of this. But you're gonna have to start playing. Here soon. You, you can't push this out anymore. You've got to, you know, put some guys on the ice, You but and put a plan into place and stick with it. But that plan has to come soon, and it has to start soon. So, with that being said... We now go to the one that yeah. didn't get started, that couldn't get started, um, which is uh, the MLB. So, and right now, that's probably the one that has the best plan out of all the major sports leagues when it comes to that. I don't really have a plan set yet, per se. But they've had a lot of talks about it, regardless with that. And one of the biggest loudmouths of the sport came up with what is probably the best idea we've seen so far. Mm-hmm. Because the MLB has come out and said, we're going to play in three locations. Uh, they originally said two, Florida and Arizona, where all the spring training locations are. They then added DFW to that mix because we have a smattering of baseball fields that are major league ready if you know if they need to be right yeah mm-hmm. um so they were going to split it in like into such a weird way that dfw arizona and florida would have hosted the mlb that would have been it they play their spring training places those who are in dfw play at a smattering of other places no fans that that's it nobody was on Nobody was down with that, and there are other reasons. There are other issues right now, like the players' union is is not wanting to take the the fifty fifty split. They they're not wanting to play for half the money, even though they're playing half the games. But I think I think that if this gets pushed through, they're playing a little more than half. They're not playing quite a full season, but I think everyone could come to a mutual agreement if somehow this made it to a negotiating table. Bryce Harper, one of the biggest loudmouths of this sport, put on. His social media. This is this is it. I'm, I'm quoting right now. Beyond the health and safety, which comes first for all players, staff, workers, fans, and families, just an idea I've been thinking about. Go east-west like the NBA. July, 31 days. August, 31 days. September, 30 days. October, 31. November, 15. 135 games. Off day every two weeks on a Monday... The Sunday before, doubleheader seven innings. I think that's a good idea. That's not a bad idea so far, right? Mm -hmm. 30 players, six-man rotation to save arms. If the pitchers wanted this. If no big deal, DH and any other ideas possible. Which universal DH, we could have a whole segment about by itself. Playoffs, two-week World Series like Super Bowl week. 
10 teams, round-robin format, College World Series style, at the new Texas ballpark, or whatever stadiums are best. Three-game series, you win the series, you move on. You lose, you play another loser in a one-game wild card. Winner of that moves on, other team is out. Or you could play it in Vegas so you have strip hotels and could use one hotel for all the guys and contain, possibly. Two teams left, seven-game World Series. They get two days off before the series. With those two days off, you do an all-star game and home run derby. Could do the MLB awards as well, all at the same time. Open this up on all platforms. No blackouts. Open it for everybody to watch. Then you back up the next two, uh, two years. Uh, May 1st, April 2021, uh, April 2021, and April 1st, 2022. Uh, he says, maybe I'm just crazy, just fun to think about and throw around ideas. And this went viral fast. And I'll tell you, it's not the worst idea no, we've had thrown it, out it, there. It, and it I'm really actually isn't. on board. Yeah. I, I think that you might make some minor adjustments, but I think most of this he hits on the head. I mean, if we're going to look at it from a stand, this standpoint, I think at, at least NBA officials should take a look at this. And, and even if you don't like it 100%, there are negotiations that can be made. But overall, I don't see anything wrong with this. And uh, honestly, this might be a great way to get a lot of baseball in in a short period of time. I mean, Bryce Harper, you know, despite being a loudmouth, it doesn't mean he's wrong in every situation. And this is one where I see him being actually pretty close to, I mean, that's probably the best plan we've been given so far. Or at least it, at least it's a plan. You know, even if you disagree with some stuff, it's something to throw out there. And honestly, it's a really, I'd like to see somebody else come up with probably a better detailed plan than that. He really, yeah, you I have to give credit to him. I like how he didn't just give like an idea. He explained every sit, single situation possible yeah. in his proposed plan. He talked about the playoffs, the double headers, and how it would all work. And so it was probably the most detailed plan that we've seen for the MLB to come back. He, yeah, he absolutely thought this through all the way. Uh, and and I think that you know I don't think this is something he just threw together. This is probably something that he was sitting on for a while. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. you know we. You know, we, we know baseball, and we know how much those players want to play, how much they love the game and just enjoy playing and being a part of it, right? And, you know, as you said, Bryce Harper may be the biggest loudmouth, but that doesn't exclude him from that, right? He exactly. wants to play just as much as anybody else. And honestly, I'm on board. Now, you're going to have to try to get players on the field within the next 10 days. Yeah. For a little bit of a training, a little bit exactly. of a spring training, because... Uh, because you say they, he, with, uh, based on his plan, it would start in July. So at, at that point, you're talking about halfway through the season already. You would, ha- and, and we've already lost two months. You would have to get guys in the field and keep them from getting rusty, right? Now I know they've been doing self workouts and everything, but if you don't allow time for a team to come together and figure this out, at, you know, as a group, it is not going to work. And so. Maybe ten days a stretch. Maybe you maybe you say June fifteenth. Everyone will spend two weeks getting back to, to usual stuff with the team. July first, we're putting this into action, right? And, and and who knows? I mean, the the best thing I see with this happening though is this one thing he didn't he didn't mention, and that's fair to say because you know I'm not sure you know I'm pretty sure he wasn't thinking about every market, but in here like Texas where we are slowly beginning the reopening process, 
by his plan, you're saying about a month and a half with no fans before our state legislature, you know, tries to talk to the MLB and say, hey, we want to open up our stadium. Yeah. You know, now, granted, this is hypothetical and we don't know how that would go, but that would be the first real step, in my opinion, to true normalcy is if we get people in baseball stadiums, even if we limit it to just open opening the first deck of every stadium, that's something. It is. It is. I, I Look, dude, I, I'm telling you, I'm on board with this 100%, and I think it's going to be an interesting... It's going, to see, it's going to be interesting to see how this opens up. I'll just say this, like I said, 100% behind this. Let's get it open. Let's get back to baseball. So I was just going to touch on this. I was going to graze over this real quick. Uh, but did uh, did either of y'all watch any uh, German soccer? I did not. <laughs> Sorry. I watched some KBO. Did not watch any German actually soccer. actually watching some KBO highlights. Yeah, Blake, Blake and I are watching some KBO right now. And uh, this is last night's game. Yeah. And the NC Dinos are beating up on the Doosan Bears 4 nothing in the top of the sixth. And about a few minutes ago, I looked over. It was the bottom of the fifth. and or Maybe it was the top. It was the top of the fifth. But I think it was Doosan's pitcher, the one who's given up the four runs so far. It was a fifth inning and already thrown 104 pitches. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's ridiculous. Um, but no, so real quick, KBO. This is actually some nice quality baseball. It is. Voice crack again. Man, baseball. I'm, I'm losing my voice. Yeah. Uh, this is some good quality baseball. It this is. is this is about this is somewhere between AAA and AA baseball. Exactly. Uh, this is this is some pretty good quality baseball. Exactly. And, and I'm enjoying watching. I wish I didn't have to get up at 4:25 every morning to turn it on, but you know it's some good baseball. It's something. It's something. But uh, the German Bundesliga got started. My my favorite team, uh, Union Berlin, uh, held their own against the uh, defending champs and probably soon to be champs again for I think the seventh consecutive year. Uh, Bayern Munich ended up losing two 0 but. No fans. So, so quick background. The team I support, Union Berlin, they're in their first stint in the, the top Bundesliga level. They just got promoted for the very first time in the Bundesliga. And already they, they are known for the rowdiest crowd in the Bundesliga. Like, it's just a naturally rowdy crowd. Yeah. Uh, and to see that place with nobody in it, yeah, wow. I mean, it's something, but I think we need to... Uh, we need to like soundproof the booth because you could hear some stuff. And uh, let's just say that I don't speak German, but I know when someone's cussing in German. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> we may need to soundproof the booth, especially if we get it back in the states and there are no fans in here. Yeah. Especially for basketball and maybe even for hockey as well, because in hockey you get a lot of cussing in that. We may need to soundproof the booths <laughs> because you can hear. Ev- this was soccer, and they're high up in that stadium, but you could hear everything that was being shouted so no it was good i'm just glad to have some kind of soccer back again the premier league i hear is uh is uh planning to try and kick off uh in june again and uh, i need the tottenham hotspur to go on an incredible run because we need to be in europe again uh not looking like we're going to make the champions league or the europa league yeah and that has me very scared so guys you had a long long time to think about it yeah, and I have mine. I have two when I think about it. All right, Blake, will you go ahead and go first? Who is the greatest player who no one remembers in any sport? I would say, well, in my lifetime at least, I'd say it's probably Ichiro Suzuki or 
or maybe Drew Brees eventually. I think that, and granted, Drew Brees is still playing, but I think his his playing career often got overshadowed by people like Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, those types of guys. I'd say even Romo at some points got a little bit more credit than Drew Brees did. Uh, Ichiro Suzuki obviously played, you know, for a long time uh, with the Mariners and whatnot, um, but I don't think he really ever got as much credit as somebody who was playing at his time, like maybe Derek Jeter or like a Michael Young or any of those guys, despite the fact that he had a really great batting career. Um, he, he was definitely, I'd say probably of my lifetime, one of the best players who nobody remembers. That's a good one. That's a good one. Mason, do you have one? I got two, but I don't know how good of an answer it is. I got one for college basketball and then one for the NBA. And for my college basketball one, it's Jimmer Fredette, who played for BYU. Um, probably the best scorer in college basketball that we've seen in a while. I mean, that dude was pulling up from anywhere. As soon as he crossed half court, he had the green light to pull it. Um, and then for the NBA, I got Mike Conley, the point guard for... Oh! Not not anymore for the Grizzlies, but um, I think he's on the Jazz now. But I feel like he's not talked about enough. I, I feel okay, like he's one of those... That's a good one. Yeah, that, that a top 10 point guard. Friends. That's a good one. Uh, so mine, Blake will Blake will appreciate mine. Um, so I, I also have two, but one is kind of different. I kind of bent, bent my own rules a little bit. I have one who's a great athlete and not remembered, and then one who's a great athlete and not really remembered, but when he is remembered, for the wrong reason. The first one is Dwayne Thomas. Oh, wow, yeah. The Cowboys running back from the, from the early 70s uh, who was uh, – in 1970, was Rookie of the Year. Uh, ended up uh, fumbling the ball right at the goal line against the Colts exactly. in, the, in Super Bowl Five, And then uh, has a great year in 1971. Had kind of a holdout between he and Tex Schramm. Kind of didn't allow himself to be part of the team. I, I, I thought, and this is kind of a common thing, and Bob Lilly himself has also said this. He, he really thought that he, he would have been the next Jim Brown. Uh, and... and Boy, going back and looking at some of his film and the way he ran the ball, and he was a tough runner and he was fast. Uh, you know, he 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 was just naturally fast. I don't think he ever hurried. Uh, he was he was just naturally that fast. But uh, of course, his attitude and some stuff kind of got him in trouble, and he just didn't have the desire. They traded him to the Chargers in '72, and then he played his last game the very next year at the age of 27. Yeah. Uh, so I, I thought I think he's a great player who is never remembered. Because he just never really, I mean, he never really allowed himself to grow into that kind of a great player. Yeah. He just never really bonded with media or his teammates or anything like that. He was that kinda, was better than my picks. He right? was kind of in it for himself. And the other one is the one who uh, isn't really remembered, but when he is remembered for the wrong reason. And that is Red Sox first baseman Bill Buckner. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if he's not... Re- okay, I, 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 I definitely get where you're coming from for the wrong reason. I don't necessarily think he's not remembered. I'm not gonna actually. I'm not gonna debate you on it. That that's probably a good point. I mean, that it always they always think about the one that went through his legs in that game. But like honestly, you know, it's not entirely his fault. He and the problem with it is that's one play in his whole career that they point out, despite him being one of the greatest infielders. I think of all time. Well, but he had spent time with the Cubs, the Dodgers. I mean, he'd been all over the league, and then he yeah. was a, 
Uh, shoot, he had more hits than uh, than I think Joe DiMaggio and Ted Williams. Yeah, uh, he he was a great. I think he was a lifetime three hundred hitter as well. Yeah, uh, I mean he was a, such a great player, and you know the only, it's that one incident that really causes him to be remembered for the wrong reason. But the reason it's really not thought about anymore is just because like unless there's a massive boot on a play, that's the only time we ever really think about it. Exactly. Uh, you, you no know, one no one ever looks at. I mean. Um, if you were to say who's a great Red Red Sox great, you go Big Poppy, possibly uh, Carl Yastrzemski. Uh, you know, you could you can make a case for Dustin Pedroia, who is small but fast and yeah. clutch. Ted Williams. Ted Williams well. is uh, obviously Ted Williams. Bill Buckner did so much for the Red Sox, and he is just I yeah. Mean, he's, at a, a time where they weren't good, at a time when the Red Sox were not what we think of today, he was one of the shining stars on that team. And it's really sad to see how he's remembered a lot of time in sports history. Anyway, uh, and I actually, you... I thought of, I thought of two more that were in the NFL, and one of them is kind of like Nolan's, who is remembered for not the right reasons. But the one who's not like that is Jamal Charles for the uh, okay, Kansas City so, Chiefs. So he's the one who's just not yeah. remembered a lot. Okay, all right. He's well, just not remembered. Not I, the I one who that. is fair enough. The one who, when I say his name, you're not going to remember him for his football skills, but before he became became an idiot, he was good at football, and that's Ray Rice. Yeah, he is Ooh, okay. for that reason. Yeah, that's true. All right, that actually is a, that's, that's a good point. Well. I like the Ray Rice one. I thought you were going to go Jim Marshall, the guy who picked, picked up the up, fumble ran and it ran it the wrong way. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. No, Ray Rice is a good example of that. Ray Rice is a very good example. He was a he was a solid. He was back. great there for the Ravens for a long time. Hey, dude, yeah. he was, Ray Rice up the middle. He was one of the uh, highlights of that offense with Flacco and them. But obviously, what happened was really bad. But anyways, um, Blake, you think you got a rant in you? Sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, he he kind of chuckled and said, "Sure." Let's, Do you have something get... in mind? Yeah, I have something in mind. Okay, what are we? We're gonna welcome him back, Martin's minute. We took a couple weeks off, and he wasn't on our latest show, so we're 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 bringing back Martin's minute again. The 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 sh- bit that made this show famous. He's got sixty seconds to rant about whatever he wants. What are we ranting about? TikTok. Tick. Oh, TikTok. Okay. Oh. All right. Here we go. We got Martin's minute on TikTok going in three, two, a go. Okay. Number one, all of the uh, social media platforms. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, whatever. They're all great. However, TikTok is owned number one by the communist Chinese, so it's terrible. <laughs> number two, I swear to God, I was at uh, Fuego Taco Stand in College Station. These two girls were outside for 30 minutes, 30 minutes, filming a TikTok video, I swear. <laughs> it is it is a sign of the end times. It is corrupting our youth. I mean, I swear to God, and people are like, oh, TikTok's funny, TikTok's funny. No, I refuse. I refuse to give in to such a terrible, satanic social media platform. <laughs> it, is, it, is, it, is, it is a mark of the beast. That is what TikTok <laughs> is, okay? It is, it is the worst social media platform ever. Ever, okay? And I cannot stress that enough. If I have to watch another TikTok video, I will literally like jump out of a plane Damn. without a parachute. Oh my gosh. I'm going to send Blake TikToks tonight just for that reason. <laughs> my sisters are going to murder you <laughs> if they ever hear that. No, send what them I- that clip. 
What, what I, like, I don't, I don't mind TikTok. Like, I kind of agree. There's some parts where I agree about Blake. It's that I, I don't want to go out and see people doing dances all the time. I know. Just, look, obviously that's an overreaction for the show, but it does annoy me constantly looking at girls who are, or not even just girls. It doesn't matter. But people. There's who a are lot doing of like tick, Yeah, there's a lot of dudes as well who just. There's like too many doing, thoughts. On, yes, on TikTok. Exactly. If we're being okay. real, I, uh, I did I did not want to say that. Thank you for saying that instead of me. No, but I'll, yes, I'll say it straight up. Like there, there are so dude, many talk thoughts. It's not even funny. I mean, and there's this family show dude, just so so many so many. There's so many moments where I go, man. If I was her dad and she was posting that online, I, I would be I would be devastated. Yeah, boy, talking about TikTok and thoughts. So many so many guys who listen to this show that. Our Gen Xers are that's that's gonna go way over their heads. Yeah. They're not even gonna know what we're talking about. Uh, oh, Gen Z to the max. All right, boys. Well, hey guys, I appreciate y'all jumping on today, man. Uh, by the way, real quick, I'm gonna I'm gonna hold on, hold on, hold on. Almost forgot. Blake, I believe it was our second or third show, maybe our fourth. Yeah. That you were finally a high school graduate. Mason came on, already graduated from high school. I believe we had a show celebrating Seth's graduation uh, last year. Correct. We have another one to celebrate this year. And he's not with us tonight, unfortunately. We tried to get him. Um, exactly. He's just being a little jerk and not answering. So we're not having a We're not having it, no. Uh, no. <laughs> The the uh, the most recent uh, uh, person to join our team uh, is my brother Michael Hargrave. He was a corner uh, for the Pilot Point Bearcats this past year on their great uh, quarterfinal run, where they ended up falling to Brock. Um, he is part of the group this year of uh, class of twenty twenty that's not really getting to celebrate their graduations in the way that everyone thought. Um, I don't believe I don't know what happened to their prom. I don't know what happened to all this. He lost. A good chunk of his senior year and so i feel for him and obviously everyone is uh, you know that's the, that's a big thing going on yeah. right now everyone tipping their caps to, to the class of 2020 exactly. An, another good friend of the show his name is peyton peterson is a was a pitcher for boswell lost his entire baseball season um mm-hmm. <clears throat> so so we're going to tip our caps to the uh to the class of 2020 um and uh uh we'll just uh we'll say congratulations to the, to our team member michael hargrave and uh, to our buddy Peyton Peterson, anyone who listens to the show, uh, who, who or has ever met us close to our hearts, that we're just yeah. we're not isn't coming off the top of our heads. Uh, congratulations to the class of 2020. Uh, we feel for you that you lost this, but uh, hey, um, best best of luck in the future. Best of luck in the future, and, and to to a lot of y'all who I know want to get into this. I mean, heck, we brought on Michael. Uh, to a lot of y'all who want to get into this. Let us know. I mean, if we don't have a spot here, I bet we have contacts who have a spot opening up if you want to join the, the sports media world. I'm sure we could find a place for you. Probably in our own team, actually. We, we probably have room. Um, so uh, congratulations, Michael, Peyton, anyone else we're missing from the class of 2020. Um, congratulations. Good luck in the future. We hope that, uh, that you guys enjoy college because uh, that, that one is going to be very – that's going to be very fun for you all. Uh, good luck in your future endeavors. And uh, – it's the thought that counts. Nolan and Company Sports yep. from us also, to you. Also, I wanted to say we before we go out, I wanted to say before we go out, 
a special shout out to my cousin Caitlin, who graduated Valid Victorian at her high school out of about 400 students. Um, she's going on a, I believe, a full ride scholarship to the University of Arizona. So let's give it up for Caitlin. There you go. Congratulations. Uh, another one, another one that he, he just said that he brought up valedictorian, but uh, a good friend of the show, uh, guy running back Kadrick Cobbs. Uh, he, I believe, he also finished valedictorian for the uh, Denton Guyer class of 2020. He's going to play football at UTSA. Kadrick Cobbs, shout out to you. I don't know if y'all saw this. He made an appearance on the Kelly Clarkson show because he now has a Twitter page called Pound the Rock Ministries that I've been following. Uh, it's a really good thing. And, and so uh, tip my hat to Cater Cobbs as well, man. Good luck at UTSA. And if, uh, hey, you especially, man, if you want to do this, let us know. Come on the show. We'd be uh, happy yeah, man, we, we'd love to have you, Cater. So, uh, so congratulations to the class of 2020. We love you uh, all. Good luck. Um, and that will just about do it for this edition of the Nolan & Company Sports Podcast. For Blake, typical Martin, who can do it, Mason Pruitt, I'm just known because you can't handle the roof. Go follow us on Twitter. Go follow us on Instagram. Go like us on Facebook. Our company's on Facebook as well. Just look up Nolan and Company Sports, and it'll come up. You'll know it comes up when you see a very retro-style logo. We're trying to get that fixed. <laughs> Guys, stay safe. Uh, Mason, enjoy your treehouse. Blake and I are going to be sheltered down in the bunker here for just a little bit longer. But uh, you guys take care and have a happy, happy Memorial Day.